more and more people doing remote work all the time. People are just uh, not wanting to drive to work and wanting to have that flexibility in their life. And and if we want to keep the top talent, then we need we need to provide that flexibility and and, and let them work remotely. As people leaders, we need to find ways to help people embrace that change, uh, to ride that wind, to get in front of it, so that companies can thrive in uh, this new world. And more and more workers don't expect to be at all attached to an employer, at all attached to any employer. They want to work when they want to work, where they want to work, and I, I see trends of that happening. People are discussing how they're going to change the workplace to meet these existential challenges. Welcome back. Oh, uh, Bill. <laughs> how are you guys doing right now? Good. Doing good. It's nice to be in air conditioning today. Uh, I'm here in Bakersfield, California. It's going to be 102 degrees today. Dr. Bob and up there in near Sacramento, how's how's it up there? Let me check the temperature. I'm inside. I haven't started my air conditioning. You haven't started it yet today. I haven't started because in the afternoon it gets very hot. Oh yeah. So Lincoln temperature. And Robert's smiling because he's in Southern California. <laughs> but <laughs> my air conditioning has has been on since ten this morning. I remember when I was younger, uh, my parents, I, I grew up in Bakersfield area as well, and it was hot. I mean, just as hot, you know, as we have today, and we only had a swamp cooler, um, and we'd go outside and play in the sprinklers and things like that, and I remember growing up without those things, and then I remembered when I was uh, 14 years old, I worked in a potato shed in the middle of summer, and... Okay. Right then and there, I decided uh, I'm going, when I get out of high school, I'm going to college, I'm going to get a good job, and I'm going to get paid to work in air conditioning, because uh, this is crazy that I got to be exposed to these elements. <laughs> so, I really, I, you know, I, I guess I didn't understand that people could move, uh, so I'm still here in the in the heat. I didn't learn that maybe I could uh, move somewhere else to where it's cooler climate. Dr. Bob, what's the temperature today? 100 right now. <laughs> so uh, I, later this weekend, though, I'll, I'll be in the L.A. area, and it's going to be much cooler. So I'm appreciative for that. Um, then th this episode, we're going to be talking about the changing nature of work. Uh, I kind of teased that story there because I remember how work used to be and it's very different today. Um, what what was it like when you guys were younger? The work you guys had to do. Well, I started working in 1970 as a was entry level analyst in a big computer company called Control Data Corporation. Control Data made supercomputers. Control Data computers sent Neil Armstrong to the moon. Mm -hmm. Those computers were huge. They needed to be located in a big uh, air-conditioned building. The computer processes, central processes, and the disk drives were that high. Okay, 
they were like cabinets, file cabinets. So they were in this controlled environment and nobody was allowed to go inside where the computer center was. We have to leave our punch cards. Do you remember punch cards? Compile the punch cards, put it in a box, leave it outside in the window. And the operator who is to wear a monkey suit, who was inside the computer center, would come and pick up my punch cards and then run it through and process it in the supercomputer. And then after a while, I come back and the printer, printed compile, compilation of the program was given to me. Then I would debug it, check for errors, and then bring it back again. Redo the punch cards, and bring it back again. My main concern was I was in Minnesota. In the winter, there was snow and ice on the road. And when I, in the campus, University of Wisconsin, from my office, TA, tech, teaching assistant office to the computer center was a long walk. And I had to walk in the snow with my computers, the box of cards all compiled and in right order. And I was scared I would slip and fall and all the cards will fall and I have to <laughs> come back again and recompile. And then when I worked as an analyst, my calculator was a slide rule. Mm -hmm. Slide ruler. Most of you don't know what a slide ruler is. That's the only calculator we had. You know, in one of the books I read, they trace technology growth with the use with the calculator in mind. The calculator was slide rule or a big, huge machine, NCR machine. Where it hit the thing, you know, that was the calculator. And where is the calculator on your smartphone today? It's on your Apple. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Apple I, my mm -hmm. elementary school I teacher, thought. when I was learning math, she would say, uh, don't use the calculator. You need to learn how to do this math on paper because when you... Uh, are out of school in your job it's not like you're going to have a calculator with you all the time um, and she was wrong uh, i have a calculator with me all the time now so <laughs> you know where we are now bill where are we now you imagine bob that you are going to work hmm? let's say your office layout is you come in to the main door into the building and then you are in the HR department and the HR department is located in a suite. There's a main door to get, to get into the HR department and then there's the receptionist desk and the HR reps are, have their own workstations and the vice president of HR has an office at the back, the director of HR somewhere else, okay? And the payroll department is there. They have a separate section. That's the office layout. Imagine this in the metaverse, in the virtual world. Just think about this office layout. It's in the virtual world. So Bob, what do you do now, in 10 years from now, in the metaverse, you're gonna get up to go to work. You're not gonna leave your house. You are going to charge up your avatar. I'm with you. And you are going to go to your work. But you are, but you are going yep. and represented by your avatar. 
So you come into the main door, go into the HR office. Your avatar will be going to the HR office. Go to your desk, sit there, and start making phone calls. But it's not you. It's your avatar. You think that's a far-fetched? It's not. It's just yours away. Saying in ten years, this is, will be the work. This is where we have come from. My slide rule to the nature of work. We are changed so dramatically. It's really mind-boggling to understand this change. And if you don't believe me, just read up on the metaverse. Mm -hmm. The word universe has changed to a new word called metaverse, which is the combination of the virtual world and the real world together, like I explained to you, Bob. You are going to be going to work. You will go to that HR office on your desk, but your avatar is going to be going for you. But it's you. You'll be engaging in work behavior, but through your avatar. So, Robert, do you remember when you first started working? No, I was I was thinking my story is pretty close to Dr. Bob's. My first job was a data center supervisor after graduating from college, and we worked on a IBM forty three forty one. Took right. you know they were this. We had four of them in the room, huge room. It's not like the heat of LA right now. Super air conditioning because you had to keep those rooms very cool. You had to keep them. You know, we kept it uh, below you know, b below 62 in there. And we had platters that we had to change inside the disk drives. You know, we don't, but at that time we had these big platters looked like albums and we had to physically change them. But uh, in the new metaverse moving forward, yeah, it's, it's going to be, we're going to be going to this virtual room, doing our job, but never leaving our office at home. You are going to be going to that room, going to your office. You are yeah. going to still yes. go to your office. Yes. But you are not going to go to your office. Right. For those of you that are watching us right now, you see my actual physical um, home office right now. Robert, I'm assuming that's your home office. Mm -hmm. uh, Dr. Bob, I don't think that's your home office, right? Behind you there? No, that's my background. So you're half... Metaverse half actual verse. Exactly. What is the opposite of the metaverse? The universe? Universe, <laughs> yes. Metaverse. Yeah. What they are saying, and by the way, billions of dollars are being invested in this. Not millions, billions. Yeah. Every company has made a made a commitment to go into the metaverse in the future. Marketing, everything will be done on the metaverse. Now, the really metaverse is just a combination of the physical world and the virtual world meshed into one. Mm -hmm. That is the metaverse. I just gave you an example of what the metaverse is. Bob is going to go to work, but he's not going to go to work. He's going to go to work in the metaverse. His avatar is going to go to his office desk yeah so you were just uh you know the the nature of work is is changing has been changing is going to continue to change 
Um, these are with, within, uh, we have these five different um, ideas of, of how things have changed. Technology being that very first one, you mentioned the slide rule calculator. Uh, and I think I heard you say that you used to walk uphill both ways in the snow. Is, yeah. that, is that the way you said it? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> uh, worried about slipping and dropping my IBM cards. Correct. Punch cards. I think it's funny that you were worried mostly about dropping the cards rather than getting hurt. Did you just not, you were so young, you didn't think you were so capable of being? Hey, Bob knows that he was a data center employee. He knows that when I, there were these boxes, right? Of, yeah. Where you put in these cards in the right sequence. We, we had a data entry team that used to punch out those cards. Yeah. And then we take them into the computer data center, run them through the hopper, you know, and, and that would read the cards. So if you drop those cards, you know, it, it's a mess. <laughs> you can get it in big trouble, possibly fired. Yeah, exactly. That's why. <laughs> so, yeah, it sounded like both of you kind of did the work that now machines do, right? So technology has eliminated the need for that job altogether. Those big data centers or uh, computer centers, it was like a large room to fit what's in this um, top left here, these uh, personal size computers. And now we have, you know, laptops and cell phones. These things are what you're describing. They used to be in a whole massive room. Is that is that right? No, the data entry was done with punch cards and Bob knows. They were also, a little later into the process, they had intelligent terminals hmm, where you go to the terminal to input your data, right? Right, Bob? That's correct, yes. Data terminals, they call them. There was no desktop computer, standalone mobile computer. The mobile computer started in the mid to, uh, let me see, yeah, 80s, mid-80s. Mid yeah, and I think what's happened, I can't remember the principle, but maybe, Robert, you know this one. Uh, the size of the chip doubled in speed so often, and it made yeah, this ability to get smaller. Yeah, Technology Moore's developed law. using Moore's law. Moore's law. Okay. Yeah, I think it was every four years. But we're, I think we determined we're, we can't continue that trajectory still today. Is that right? No. We are even faster moving to new technologies very fast. Yeah. So the technologies... The say, we, I have a book written by these brainiacs, a Max Ledgemark, his name, Tejmark, Max Tejmark. It's called Life 3.0, where these computer brainiacs, technological brainiacs, are talking about the future. And we... The best way to describe what is going to happen in the future is you ain't seen anything yet <laughs> in technology development. So the fact, to dramatize the point, the whole point about this book, think about, just visualize in your mind, Bob is going to work in the HR office 
but his avatar is going for for him he's he's still at home but he goes there his avatar goes and sits on his desk in the office and his co-workers all come but their avatars are all coming cuz they're all still at home but their avatars are physically showing up now the avatars are going to talk to each other and relate to each other actually bob is going to relate to his co-worker who both of whom are re- remote but they are going to interact with their avatars now take your mind and think about human risk capital management human relationships human resources it is a completely different ball game yeah we are get ready folks it's a completely different working ball game our organizations are full of workers right and as these technologies keep improving some of these workers skills are expiring there they we no longer need somebody to do calculations on a slide rule calculator cuz excel does it automatically and so that the idea of a reskilling challenge um these these employees are going to have to update their skills or be completely reskilled to stay relevant in the workforce and to bring value to their companies before you go this picture imagine this picture all of these human beings sitting in one room they're not there <laughs> they are there but they are not there the avatars are sitting just like this these pictures you're seeing is their avatars it's not the real human being the human being is there but not there that's the nature of work in the future the employees wow. you are saying who are going to come to work are going to come to work but in the virtual world is that doesn't that blow your mind with respect to how employee relations people management has will have to be conducted in the future it really blows the mind and this our book is the first step to explaining this new work world okay because the, we for sure what bill is talking about digital world virtual world automation okay technology is going to change of how human human beings relate each other to each other in the world of work which is which is really dramatized by the fact listeners this is really dramatized to the fact that three of us professors at the same university for one and a half years we have been working on this book exactly like what we are doing today i am in northern california lincoln he's in bakersfield california central coast central california and bob is in southern california la region we are not physically together but we are together virtually and we have to work together virtually now check place your mind in a human resource bring your human resource mind together will the will the traditional concepts of employee relations 
work in this world, in this new world? I don't think so. We have to have new paradigms, new work processes, new ways of relating to each other, new ways to working as teams, in teams, new ways of communication, new ways of supervision, new ways of management. This book that we have written is the first attempt to create a blueprint for this new world. Hey, Bill, you, you asked if, Mo if Moore's Law was still relevant. And yeah. Moore's Law came out in about 1965, somewhere in, in the early 60s. And it, it actually said every two years, things were going to double. The, the transistors were going to double in speed every two years. I think now, from what I remember, it's down to like 1.8. So it's it's getting faster. Faster. Not, yeah. not slower. So the pace of change in technology and human resources... People are becoming, or the, now like the slowest component of of this whole thing. Yeah. We, we have to make things work faster. Yeah, and uh, we also, Dr. Bao, you're talking about we live in different places, we work. Um, I've been working from home since December of 2018. Um, most people understand what remote, remote work is uh, today. Um, I actually... In, in writing the book, I found an article about uh, Marissa Meyer, the former CEO of Yahoo. And before the pandemic, uh, she came in as CEO and ended remote work. It said that um, we got we get more done when we all come to the office. Um, we we can collaborate a lot better. And then a uh, few years go by, and most companies are um, thinking remote work's not ideal they start um, going away from that policy. COVID-19 hits, and now everybody has to remote work. And so we see more people than ever doing remote work. Uh, the picture on the screen here, the left side is somebody's home office. Uh, on the right side is actually uh, a YouTuber um, named Nomadic Fanatic. He is hugely popular. He lives in his RV year round. He travels around the country. And he makes YouTube videos, and that's how he uh, makes his living. And so there's more and more uh, people that are doing this type of remote work. Um, what are other versions of remote work that you guys have, have heard about? Well, we've got um, more and more people doing remote work all the time. People are just... Uh, <laughs> not wanting to drive to work and wanting to have that flexibility in their life. And their employees are now asking for remote work. And if their company is not providing it, they're willing to leave their job in order to find them a job that's, that's going to give them more flexibility so they can do more remote work. So it's in high demand right now. And if we want to keep the top talent, then we need we need to provide that flexibility, and and, and let them work remotely. I so. I think it's even more aggressive if I can find the right word. Employers, people specialists, who the new term for human resource professionals, have to realize the very nature of work has changed. So the employment contract, employee-employer contract has to be revisited and 
then categories of employees have to change because in the old days of work, you were employed by an employer for a period of time. In the old days, it was lifetime, but lifetime vanished. Lifetime employment with a single employer has vanished. Okay? And more and more workers don't expect to be at all attached to an employer at all attached to any employer. They want to work when they want to work, where they want to work. That is the nomadic. We're also calling that the gig economy. And um, the gig economy. Yeah. Bill, this guy called the YouTube guy, nomadic fanatic. Or nomadic something? fanatic. Yeah. yeah. Bill, he, how he, would you, how would you define the bill, the, uh, the gig economy? Yeah. And we'll be talking about that in a future episode, but the gig worker, the gig economy is, um, for those of you that remember temp work, um, temporary workers or contract workers, uh, it includes all of that, uh, as well. Somebody that is working at a job part-time and I have a picture of the Amazon prime truck on the bottom left here. You guys might not be aware, but you can do a short-term contract working at an Amazon facility. Um, you you sign on for six weeks at a time or whatever that it may be. You are not a, a, a permanent employee, but you can choose uh, how often you work and, and when you work. Um, one of Nomadic Fanatic's friends, in fact, he travels the country and picks up uh, contracts at Amazon facilities all over the country, does that job for a while, makes money, and then moves on. And so you can choose to work at an Amazon facility for, say, two months, save up a bunch of money, and then take off two months. And so really what you're saying, Robert, is uh, a gig work. Uh, a gig worker is someone who says, I want to work now, and that doesn't mean we have a contract in the future. Much like uh, my cousin, he's here in Bakersfield. He's in a band called the Dirty Pool, Dirty Pool Blues Band. And they play gigs on Friday and Saturday nights at local restaurants and bars. And just because he plays this Friday night at a particular restaurant doesn't mean he's uh, going to do it next weekend as well. He can choose, like most bands do, what gigs they want to play. Well, that's expanded tremendously because of technology, uh, because of uh, the way work is, is changed. People can do many more jobs now as a gig worker. Uh, just like my cousin, he has he plays harmonica, uh, pretty awesome harmonica player. But uh, Nomadic Fanatic's a gig worker too, right? He can choose to stop making videos if he wants. He doesn't have a job that someone's paying him to make videos. He makes videos when he wants to. He makes money when he produces those videos. And when he doesn't produce videos, he doesn't get paid. Same as an Uber driver, they they can choose to. Um, drive people all day long if they want. They could work five days a week. They could work one day a week. So it's really the the um, the worker uh, deciding when they want to work. My wife let is. Me, a let me dramatize it for you guys. I have a I have a former student called David David Faye. He's a very senior HR person. Recently, when I was looking for him on links LinkedIn. I found that he is engaged. Mark the choice of my word, engaged 
in a com with a company called Kounsey. Kounsey, C-O-U-N-T-S-Y. Yeah. And what does Kounsey do? Kounsey is a platform for finance, accounting, and HR professionals to find what they call it on-demand CFOs and CPOs, chief people officers. So even at the highest level, executive jobs, there is no regular full-time work anymore. Yeah. These people, like David, is on this platform. When a startup or young company needs the people officer or human resource officer, they dial up county and county finds people like David, who's on their database, and sends them on a gig. Yep. So the gig economy is not just for Uber workers, Bill. It's all the way up to the top. My wife is a is a nurse, and she knows a lot of uh, traveling nurses. So basically, they're in the gig economy. They get con short term contracts to travel to different cities. Could be Hawaii. Could be wherever they have a a new outflow of the pandemic. So they'll take on a contract for two weeks, two months, travel to that location, get paid well, but it's just a short-term contract. I have a I have a friend called Beverly. Well, he's a she's a traveling nurse consultant. She is a traveling nurse, but senior, who has an MBA and a business degree. So she is a traveling nurse consultant. Like a hospital needs somebody ex with expertise to reorganize their OR operating room. Mm -hmm. They will find Beverly who comes into a city where their hospital is located, situates herself in a hotel for a couple of months, reorganizes the OR, completes that task, and then goes to her next gig. So the gig economy and the way we work is not just at drivers, entry-level Uber drivers or Prime, uh, Prime, Amazon Prime drivers. It's all throughout the job hierarchy right now. Therefore, again, there is a complete re need to rethink about how people management, human resource management, we have called people specialists are going to operate in this new world of work. That is what our book is all about. Yeah, one of the most... Therefore, it's a must-read, by the way, Bill. Absolutely. Uh, one of the most the challenging things of the way nature of work has changed um, to many of us seems like a new thing. Automation, machine learning, uh, AI, these types of machines that are taking over the slide, the young Dr. Bob with his slide rule calculator. Uh, we're saying we don't need those those people anymore. We can automate. So you're saying we need people specialists. Meanwhile, companies are saying we need to automate. So how how what is the role of people specialists in the world of automation? They still need people specialists, Bill, but they don't need to. The employer doesn't need to put them on their payroll. They can hire them when they need them, where they need them, and for what they need them. 
they are on-demand employees. This digitization and technology has changed the nature of work. Coronavirus has introduced to the world of work a new urgency, with the urgency of public health, concerns about public health, transmission of diseases, etc., that has crept into the work work, work environment. So now companies are really those companies who still have physical offices are making massive changes. I was a, I'm a member of the Financial Executives Institute, which is an association of CFOs and chief accounting officers. In one of the meetings, the entire discussion among the CFOs were how to reorganize the office layout, the office ingress and outgress, to be conscious about spreading infectious diseases. That's a new phenomenon in the workplace, you know? And also how to lay out the office ergonomically so that people work more effectively and efficiently. And a new concept of office design, which when I worked for PwC PricewaterhouseCoopers, this was quite prevalent. Now, many companies, including our own university, is talking about office layout called hoteling, hoteling. Hmm? Bob will have an office in his campus location. From now on in, in our university, he will have an office, but he doesn't have a permanent office. When he goes into work, into the campus, he checks in in the receptionist, the receptionist assigns him to a workplace for that day only. The computers will be set up for him in that workspace for that day only. Okay. His computer, office computer will be configured for only one day. Hmm? So he will check into a, a work hotel space. Think about this. This is so different from the way I started working. Hmm? Even a few years ago. I had a specific office space on the campus where I used to go to. No more. They have disbanded all of that. It's all open space hoteling. And many companies are using this because sitting in the job in an office space doesn't exist anymore. Hmm. So you seem you seem pretty excited about the future, Dr. Bob. Uh, you know, you've seen the most change and typically people's attitude towards change is to complain about it or maybe try to hold on to the past um and robert same same with you how do you see robert as uh, a way for us to live in this uh changing nature of work how do we survive how do i we think thrive? we have to go with the game plan you know we don't have a choice we have to go with the game plan, with the change. That's why we teach so many change management classes. We have to keep up with all the environmental changes. Go ahead, Bob, before I go to another factor that is creating change for us. Employees need to learn skills that, that are going to be the future skills that we need. And because working in the gig economy is all about what skill set you have. So, so if you're a programmer, those certifications you get, C, C++, 
down the line, um, they you're going to want to collect and learn and have that skill set to to show your new employee that you've kept up with your education, you've kept up with technology, because they're going to be looking for those skills in order to get a particular job done that they need to get done. So employees need to really think about the skills that they need to continue to learn and that they uh, continue to, uh, they're going to have to market their own skills. They're going to have to market themselves. Dr. Bob, <laughs> Dr. Bob, what do, what do you think? Uh, you said you have another area of this that, that's an issue? The other big area is the demographic composition of the work workforce is dramatically different with a lot of older people leaving the workplace, work, workforce, younger people, and Gen Zs, millennials, the numbers of them are increasing and they have a completely different attitude towards work. They don't want to commit their life to the humdrum and routine of a regular job. They want to work when they want to work, where they want to work, how they want to work. Okay, so the numbers of younger people are increasing. Intergenerational workplace, okay, more and more intergenerational works, workplaces and ethnically diverse uh, work, uh, work compositions, uh, gender equality in the workplace, all of these challenges, diversity, equity, inclusion, all of these challenges. Uh, changes are affecting the workplace. That's another impetus for complete change of how we manage the people side of the business. Okay. Well, you brought out two quick points. Uh, 10,000 baby boomers retire every day, every day from the workforce. <clears throat> and the younger workforce, they, they don't want the same they don't want the same thing as the older workforce, which was the baby boomers. The younger ones, as you said, they want that flexibility. They don't necessarily want to want to uh, be in an office. So, yeah, and we could we could as employers just try to force Gen Z into the model of the baby boomer worker, you know, and say, well, they I don't want to hire this person. They want to leave so quick, or I don't want to do this or that. Um, you'll find as an organization that more and more you're going to have a higher. Um, a higher turnover rate. You're going to have people that are. You're going to have it more, harder to hire people, and so you could fight these changes all you want. You could fight, you know, digitization. You could fight against uh, COVID restrictions and and things like this, but uh, eventually the the world is gonna um, gonna pass you by, and and really I think the the key impact that we want to leave with people is that. As people leaders, we need to find ways to help people embrace that change, uh, to ride that wind, to get in front of it, so that companies can thrive in uh, this new world. Bill, I want to make a point here. One of the changes I talked about is this new public health situation which COVID-19 ushered in, the new way of 
dealing with mass diseases, okay? This is a, these new practices that came into the workplace, like I said, reorganizing the office space, etc. Hmm? Is, is a permanent feature now because COVID-19 is not the only pathogen that is going to affect the world, okay? Because the world is so connected, travel is so frequent, okay? Everybody is going all over the place. Other pathogens are going to spread around. So the phenomenon of the new public health consciousness in the workplace is not going to change. It was going to be part of the new people management model. And we cover that in our book quite a bit, that this phenomenon, the public health crisis that COVID-19 focused on, is made us aware of this existential crisis threat of pathogens going around the world. Another strain of the SARS virus might pop up one day and we'll be facing the same challenges. So we have to prepare our workplace for these existential challenges coming from public health issues. Because we are a very connected world, travel is frequent and people are moving all over the world migration is all over the world you know moving people moving around and i call global tri migration people moving from country to country people moving from continents to continents no immigration laws no thing is going to stop this from happening a you can build the highest wall you can think of on the American border, okay, maybe a five mile high ball, you still will have illegal, illegal people coming in. They might fly over the wall, by the way, to get here. Mm -hmm. So this, these, these existential threats and challenges have to be institutionalized in the new model, mm -hmm. in the new work model. And I, I see trends of that happening. People are discussing how they're going to change the workplace to meet these existential challenges, which haven't gone away. The more of it will come. Digitization, public health crisis, the demographic changes, rapid demographic changes, and lastly, our, our contaminated environment, to see it, put it bluntly, okay? And more and more companies are concerned about environmental sustainability, having a green footprint. And I think being conscious about green, the green footprint and practicing safe practices with respect to environmental sustainability is a human effort. It's a human resource effort. It's a people resource asset. So, People specialization or human resource management will have to inculcate, inculcate the green footprint into the work processes and human resource policies and practices. So these are four massive changes that are affecting the workplace and that we talk about in our book. Robert, any last thoughts? 
Yeah, in order to move forward, we we definitely have to understand where we've been and uh, and where we need to 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 get to. So it's so in our book, we look at the whole picture. We look at the history of of work. We look at um, where we've been and where we are now, and then we defined a solution in our in our book. So. Uh, we'll be chat. We'll be talking about this in more detail in future podcasts. And I just want to welcome everybody that's been joining us to to uh, stay with us and like us and uh, keep listening and share and share and share. Yeah. Find us on LinkedIn. Find us on uh, YouTube. On podcasts. Um, tell your friends. Share like like Dr. Bob was saying as well. So. Thank you both again, and uh, we'll see you guys uh, next time on uh, the world of the new world of work podcast. Thank you. Thank you.